Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code RTFP to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to DraftKings Network. You're tuned in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Guiding your gridiron journey, none other than your host, former NFL lineman Ross Tucker. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker football podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday. We are presented by DraftKings. Love those dudes. Love all of you that listen or watch our shows every day. You can check them out, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. We are growing fast over there on YouTube. And, of course, we're daily with this show People love the Fantasy Feast Wednesday and Thursday. Joe Dolan helping them set their lineups for fantasy football or DFS. The Even Money Podcast, one of the top, I don't know, three NFL betting podcasts in the country. And then the College Draft Podcast with Emery is awesome as well. We'll get to Greg Cosell momentarily. It is a Greg Cosell Civilian Goat Thursday, Teaching Tutorial Thursday. Spread the winner tomorrow at Ross Tucker NFL. Or actually, this week, it's at Ross Tucker Pod, a Facebook review of Ross Tucker Pod on Facebook. Sponsor confirmation email winner. You hear me say it on the show, or you click on the link that we post every day at Ross Tucker Pod. There's a link to the sponsor page. We love our sponsors, and we love those of you that take advantage of them. YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Just subscribe and comment, and then bang, you get a chance to get a cameo-style video specifically for you, patron of the day, Jeff Byrne. We keep racking them up, patreon.com slash RT Media to get that glorious even money betting spreadsheet. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. All right, Greg, no buys. So we're going to dive right into it. Let's start with tonight's game. Kind of an intriguing matchup for both these teams. They're very much in the mix. It's the Bucks. And the Bills, who, something's not right with them, Greg. You're talking about the Bills? Yeah. Yeah, uh, they've got some significant issues on offense right now. Um, They continue to struggle to make big plays in the passing game, which has sort of been their calling card the last number of years. So they're not doing that. Um, That accentuates the fact, uh, Ross, that they are not built to be a sustaining offense, so they get stuck. 
So right now, they, they have limited sustainability with no explosives. And that's not a good recipe for running offense. And so what starts to happen is Josh Allen, who by his very nature is not necessarily a precision quarterback, he he starts to break down and leave the pocket looking to make big plays uh, because that's in his nature. And he then leaves plays on the field that are there because he does not go through progressions. So it's kind of a domino effect of where their offense is right now. I certainly don't know the answer. I'm not in their building, but that's what the tape shows right now. So um, what do you mean they're not built for sustaining offense? What would they need to have to be built for sustaining offense? They're not really a running football team. Um, That's not really the way they structure their offense. They're trying to run the ball, but they're not really a running football team. They're really built on Josh Allen and the pass game. And when they make big explosive plays, the fact that they don't have a week-to-week consistent run game does not seem to be a big factor because they produce due to those big plays. But when they don't get big plays and you end up having to move the ball in smaller chunks, you need a run game. You need a run game to be sustaining. And they that's not really how they put together their offense. It's interesting too. Um, you know, they're playing this Bucks team. They let Mac Jones have his best game of the year, Greg. I mean, the defense wasn't great either against. No, New it England. was not. <clears throat> and that's you know a, a concerning factor as well because you would have thought, as I'm sure you saw, that when they went ahead with a minute 58 to go in the fourth quarter, you know, and they've been they've been playing better in second halves when Josh Allen starts to make a lot of more Josh Allen type plays that we're used to seeing. Um, when they went ahead with a minute 58, I'm sure the feeling was, okay, Bills are going to eke out another win, you know, good job. And then the Patriots marched right down the field. Yeah, they really did. Let's get to some of these other games. The Vikings and the Packers, there's a lot to get to here, Greg, really for both teams. How about uh, Kirk Cousins the other night against San Francisco? And how about Jordan Addison, Greg? He is no Justin Jefferson. Yeah. He's been outstanding as a rookie receiver. There's a couple of outstanding rookie receivers this year. Yeah, let's focus on Kirk Cousins in this game because Kirk Cousins played extremely well against obviously a good defense in the Niners on Monday Night Football. And Kirk Cousins, you know, he's a high-level processor. He's a really strong distributor of the football. He's tough in the pocket. I mean, he made some throws in that game, Ross, where there were bodies around him. I know the Niners did not have any sacks, and people will just look at that number and say, oh, bad performance. Um, and obviously the Niners did not sack him and did not have negative plays after the um, the Ward interception on the first series. But Cousins stood in the pocket. There were bodies around him. He actually moved at times. The pocket manipulation did a really good job, made some difficult throws. Kirk Cousins is willing to turn it loose. He played a really, really strong game against a quality defense on Monday night. What about on the other side? Uh, did you get a chance to check out Jordan Love, Greg? I did not. Like, I've not seen him this week, so I, I yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'll be curious to see what you think of him yeah. in the next couple of weeks because even the two touchdowns he threw were very, very fortunate. You know that 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 happened. Let's move on to the Patriots and the Dolphins. Um, a lot to get to here. We talked about Mac Jones and maybe having his best game of the yep. year, and then you have the <laughs> Dolphins offense, the Eagles were able to slow them down, Greg. Curious your thoughts 
on this yeah. matchup and what you saw from both these teams last week? It was a very odd Dolphins offense watching it against the Eagles. The Eagles did exactly the right thing that you have to do, by the way. They played high, high percentage split safety, um, and they took away some of the throwing windows, which is exactly what you need to do. Uh, but the Dolphins offense, to me, did not look like the Dolphins offense from the first six weeks. I can't recall one play in that game where Tyreek Hill went in motion across the formation, and that has been a staple all season long. So, again, I, you know, they obviously felt they had a good plan. It did not come to fruition, but I did not see the same things on tape that I had seen through the first six games. Wow. That's really uh, that, that's really interesting. Anything else on the Dolphins or the Patriots, Greg? Well, I think, you know, again, we're, we're going to deal. I believe this game's in Miami. So we're going to deal with the fact that the Dolphins are going to try to get back on track and do what they do. But these teams played week two. And, and even though Miami won, they only put up 24. And I thought Belichick had a really, really good plan in terms of doing what you have to do, which is taking away the first window throws with coverage. It starts with coverage, and then your four-man pass rush has to get there. And I thought Belichick had a really good plan, excellent job of safety rotation, understanding the splits of receivers, and then what that meant as far as the routes. Um, and, and that's just obviously something that Bill Belichick will be really good at. Now, that doesn't mean Miami won't bounce back and have a big game. Uh, they certainly have great players and a ton of speed. But I think, uh, you know, judging by what happened week two, I think you'll see a good plan by Bill Belichick. Yeah, I called that game for Westwood one, and they did do a really nice job of keeping Miami under wraps about as much as, about as, much as they could. How about the Jaguars and the Steelers? Intriguing matchup. You know the Steelers have uh, have less yards than their opponent in every game this year, but they're four and two. It's kind of remarkable. And and the Jags feel like they're kind of getting into a rhythm now, Greg. Even that Thursday night game against the Saints, putting up thirty some points, I was not expecting that. What are you looking at between these two teams? I've been kind of fascinated, believe it or not, despite what you said, by what the Steelers are starting to do on offense. And one of the things they're starting to do, we know it's it's very often a matchup league, Ross. You hear that all the time. Um, and you do games, so you know you look at matchups. You know, one of the things that the Steelers are really starting to do, and it's going to lead to a very interesting matchup in this game, is they're starting to do something that we call four strong, where they line up four receivers to one side of the formation. Now, one of those receivers can be a back offset in the backfield, but they have four receivers to one side of the formation, and they have George Pickens as the single receiver to the short side of the field, and they're creating matchups for Pickens. And Pickens has been dominant the last two weeks in that position as the boundary X on the backside of four strong. And they run slants. They run back shoulder fades. They'll run, you know, regular fades if he gets on top of the corner. And I'm very anxious in this given game to see the matchup against Tyson Campbell, who tends to be the boundary corner for the Jaguars and and is a really solid player. Ooh, okay. Um, Anything on the Jags offense? I think it's become a really kind of efficient offense to watch. Um, I think uh, Trevor Lawrence has settled in really nicely to, to you know, being a distributor, an executor with the capability of making big throws. Uh, they have a run game that's been pretty consistent week to week. Um, you know, ATN is their number one back. They'll bring in Bigsby on occasion for tougher runs. He's a physical back. Um, but I think their offense has settled in to being a pretty consistent week to week offense. 
The Eagles are taking on the Commanders. Yep. Uh, Greg, it seems like they always play them tough. These are always hard-fought games. I guess one of the questions I have, and maybe you have other thoughts on the Eagles or the Commanders, but just one of the questions is, historically, what kind of player has Kevin Byard been, and what will he bring to this Eagles team? Well, Kevin Byard's been a very, very good player. There was a two- or three-year stretch, Ross, where he was the best all-around safety in the NFL. Um, I don't think he's quite at that level now, but he is a multi-dimensional, complete safety who can play on the back end. He can match up to tight ends man-to-man. He can play in the box. He can blitz. He defends the run. He's a really solid football player. Um, But, you know, the real interesting thing about this matchup is, as you know, these teams played week four. And when you think about the Eagles' defensive front and the commander's O-line, you think, okay, there's a major mismatch there. But you know what? In that week four game, the commander's O-line probably had their absolute best game of the season, and Sam Howell had his best game of the season, and they moved the ball up and down the field in the pass game. Howell was 8 for 10 for over 100 yards on third down. Five of those eight completions resulted in first downs, and Howell played a really, really good game. And as I said, the O-line did as well. And people are probably thinking, too, last week when they had the, they gave up six sacks to the Giants and Howell literally had no chance. Those were not sacks on Sam Howell. Those happened really, really fast. Um, and they were basic things, TT stunts, things that they should not have problems with week seven in the NFL season. So I don't know what to expect in this game, but all I know is when they played week four, the commanders O-line had their best game and Howell looked really good. And I've said this, Greg, and people, it's funny because Eagles fans hit me up with their pressure stats or whatever. I thought it was the Eagles D-line worst game of the season. I mean, they did not win very consistently one-on-one matchups. They ended up getting five sacks, but three of those were Nicholas Morrow, the linebacker, on like delayed blitzes. Correct. It wasn't like the D-line was just whooping Washington's you-know-what. No, they did not. It was a very odd game based on, you know, what everyone's view, usually correctly, of the Eagles' D-line is. It's odd to me, Greg, that more people don't drink Labatt Blue Light while they're watching football or any sport. It's delicious. Take things to the next level. Live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer. Labatt USA. Buffalo. New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's talk Browns-Seahawks, Greg. Anything in that matchup? It looks like P.J. Walker is going to go again for the Browns. I'm more interested, actually, in the other side of the ball because we know what the Browns are defensively. They rely predominantly on their four-man pass rush, and they play a ton of single high. In fact, they've played more snaps 
of, of middle closed, meaning a post safety, than any team in the league. They're, they they pretty much say, here we are, here's what we do. And I'm very anxious to see the Seahawks. I know Metcalf will be back this week, but I personally think, and I've studied the Seahawks in great detail for a number of years, I think they're a better offense when they play out of multiple tight end sets. And I think in this particular game, with the pressure that Garrett can put on Zadarius Smith, that it might make more sense for them to stay with their multiple tight end sets. I think it, it, it allows Smith to be more efficient in the pass game, and it's going to give them better protection. Why, why does the multiple tight end sets allow Geno to be more efficient in the pass game? I think there's a couple of reasons. Number one, he'll feel more secure in the pocket. And number two, all their design boot play action stuff works off of that. And they're very, very good with their design play action boot game. What about the game I'm calling for CBS, Greg? It's probably one I normally wouldn't ask you about, but I like when you help me do my homework. Um, ah, so well, you're, doing, you're doing Baltimore. And you know what? I'm going to flip the script on you. Uh, Lamar's playing great football, but I want to talk about their defense, okay? Because yeah. as I'm sure you, you've probably done your studying, you know, and, and looked at their defense. They lead the NFL in sacks, and it's interesting that we just came off talking about Cleveland, who does it with individual players, great players who can win one-on-one. The Ravens are nothing like that. The Ravens are a schemed pressure defense. Okay, if I said to you before the season started that we'd be going into week eight and their edge rushers in their sub-defense would be Jadavion Clowney and Kyle Van Noy, you probably would have laughed at me. You know, so they do it all through scheme. They have some unbelievable schemes. I think Mike McDonald is doing one of the best jobs in the NFL this year, overlooked because Lamar is playing at a really, really high level. But I think they do such a good job with how they create pressures because they can't just line up and win one-on-one. That's the thing that's uh, so impressive to me. They don't really have a guy that you're like, oh, man, that guy, one-on-one pass pro. But with their stunts and games. Yeah that they have, and some of their blitz packages, it's really, really impressive. I love really the way impressive. they use Roquan Smith. I mean, he in, when they're in their sub, particularly on third down, he's almost always mugged up on the ball. It doesn't mean he's going to come, but they create all kinds of issues. You know, as an offensive lineman, when you see six or seven guys on the line of scrimmage, you know, that, that causes a little concern because you just don't know who's coming and who's not coming. And you know what, Greg? It's funny that you say that. All these coaches at every level they're just trying to create a little bit of doubt yeah a little bit of hesitation because that little bit can then be the difference between their the play working or not or their player having an edge or not and especially if you're under center but even if you're in the gun that linebacker works up in the a gap you're at least thinking, yeah, that's not me. That's the center. That the, the back has him. That's not me. But even if it's not you, Greg, there are twists and picks they can run off of it. Ah. So you can't just set flat. You can't, you can't, you, you know what they you know what they're doing? They make it so that you can't only focus on the D lineman that you're blocking. And especially it becomes more than just a one-on-one pass block. It, it becomes something you have to think about. Yep. Where's the stunt coming from? Who's trying to pick me? And then when you're thinking about that stuff, you're not really thinking about your technique or, or blocking it maybe as well as you should. 
And you just hit on two great points. It's about fractions of a beat, really, and that could be the difference. And also the A-gap stuff, because as you know, as an offensive lineman, particularly an interior offensive lineman, there's no way you can let anyone clean through an A-gap. So all of a sudden that puts an added thought in your head. Exactly. Um, Last one I'll ask you about today, I think, is the Bengals and the Niners. Now, it's interesting. Yesterday we found out that Brody went in the concussion protocol. Kyle Shanahan said there's still a chance he can be cleared for this game on Sunday, but he might not be. So um, we had the Bengals coming off the bye, the Niners coming off back-to-back losses, and it might be Sam Darnold time, which, look, I don't ever want anybody to get hurt, obviously, Greg, but I think all of us, at least I am, I'm kind of intrigued to see Sam Darnold in this offense. Yeah, me too. I mean, again, obviously you don't want to see Purdy get hurt, but it it would be fascinating because Darnold – Look, you know, it's funny. There's all kinds of traits we talk about with quarterbacks, and, and sometimes certain traits are overlooked. We, we all tend to focus on physical traits and athletic traits. And obviously, Darnold is a bigger-armed guy than uh, Purdy. He's probably a little more purely athletic than Purdy, although Purdy does have pretty good movement. So I'm fascinated to see Darnold in this offense because of, of the timing an anticipation element that Purdy is outstanding at. And that's a trait, by the way, that we don't talk about a lot. And I think Darnold probably throughout his career would not be viewed as having that trait at a really high level, but this offense demands it. So I'd be really curious to see Darnold in the context of this offense. And obviously, Debo Samuel will be out again. Check him out on social media. He's the man. We love having him on the show for obvious reasons. We know it's one of the most popular things that we do as part of our network when we have Greg on. So if you check him out on social media at Greg Cosell, you can always find out where all of his excellent content is. Greg, thank you so much, man. As always, really appreciate it. Appreciate it, Ross. Love it. Thanks. Greg is so good. You know what else is so good? DoorDash. If it's halftime, it's ordering time. Two-minute warning? You got it. That's your cue to order in. Get everything you want delivered while you root for your squad. Yeah, that means burgers, fries, drinks, you name it. And if you have a Dash Pass membership, you can get the new Wendy's loaded nacho cheeseburger delivered. Yep, right now, the loaded nacho cheeseburger is exclusively available with Dash Pass at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time. Tux Takes. All right, Ross, we'll start. Jim Irsay violated an NFL rule saying the NFL told him about officiating mistakes. Did we talk about this at all yesterday, what he had tweeted or no? No, we did not. Might have missed that. Yeah, Jim Irsay said Anthony Richardson had shoulder surgery and they just slid in there. Oh, the NFL admitted they made multiple mistakes that cost us the game. We need to have replay review the last two minutes. Um, hilarious. So first of all, check out my column this week for the 33rd team because I actually wrote about the fact that everything should be reviewable, but coaches still only have two challenges. So I'm with you on that, Jim Ursay. Although he's going to get in trouble because every team submits calls that they didn't agree with to the league, and the league gets back to them either says, no, that was the correct call, or you're right, we messed that one up. You're not supposed to ever say when they tell you that they messed up. Nobody's perfect, but you're not supposed to publicize that. Ursay just doesn't care. I mean, he's at the point in his life where they're going to find him. What does he care? They can't take the team away from him. You know, we should all get to that point where we're so old and so rich that we just don't care. We can just do whatever we want. But I remember Jack, like 
They'd call me for a hold or a trip or something. And then Wednesday, the offensive line coach would be like, Tuck, we heard back from the league. That was not a hold. I'm like, great. How does that help me now? 75,000 people heard my name. Millions on TV. Great. Thank you, NFL. That, that helps. Brock Purdy is in concussion protocol, so Sam Darnold will likely start for San Francisco. Well, Greg and I talked about that. That's obviously unfortunate about Purdy. It looked like it was on this quarterback sneak where he got hit in the head. And, of course, now everybody's talking about, oh, see, he got hurt on the tush push. First of all, he got hurt and hit before the tush push. Secondly, that aspect of it is no different than the regular quarterback sneak that we've all been doing forever. By the way, Jack, in football, the fourth quarter is where the magic happens. It's where games are won, where champions are made. As we get into the fourth quarter of this podcast, in business, it's where sales teams become legends. That's why HubSpot built Sales Hub, to give sales reps the deal-making tools they need to win their Q4. Sales Hub's prospecting workspace organizes your schedule, goals, and to-do list in one place to save your team precious fourth quarter time. And smart sequences help sales reps close deals faster than ever. So get ready to dominate Q4 with Sales Hub. Learn more at HubSpot.com slash sales. Some more quarterback news. Will Levis will start a quarterback for the Titans while Kyler Murray is a full participant in practice for Arizona. Really curious to see Levis for the Titans with Tannehill out. Obviously, they feel like they've seen enough from Malik Willis, although it sounds like he might play. And the Kyler Murray news is interesting. It didn't sound like last week when he started practicing that he would play this week. It sounds like it'll be in November, but full participant, obviously, I'll be out there later today and and tomorrow to talk to them about it. That would be pretty interesting if it was Kyler Murray's first start on Sunday against the Ravens in the game I'm calling for CBS. Some roster moves, Saints, or not Saints, Seahawks signed defensive end Frank Clark after losing to Loso for the season, and the Packers put safety Darnell Savage and cornerback Eric, Stark, Eric Stokes on the IR while the Titans claimed safety Kayvon Wallace. A lot of injuries for the Packers. The Titans getting Kayvon Wallace, obviously they just traded Bayard, and the Seahawks, that's a really, really good signing to get Frank Clark. And we got a game tonight, it's a pretty decent one, Bucks to Bills. Who do you like in that one and why? Really good one. I mean, this, these are two teams. I always say this, Jack. If you're 500 or above, you are very much in the mix. That's where these teams both are. They're both 500 or above. It's gonna, it, this would be a really bad loss for the Bills. Short week at home. You absolutely cannot lose a game short week at home if you're the Buffalo Bills. The Bucks are a little bit banged up. We'll see if whether or not Vita Vea can play tonight. But just think about how different you'll feel about the Bills if they're five and three as opposed to four and four. I think it's a close game. I did not think the Bucs played very well at home against the Falcons. That game did not inspire a whole lot of confidence for this game against the Bills. So I'll take the Bills. I don't know. They're they're, they're kind of struggling on offense. So I'm not going to pick them to put a lot of points up, especially against a pretty good Bucs defense. This feels like... I don't know, 20 to 16. I don't think it's a whole lot of points. 20 to 16, I'll go with the Buffalo Bills in this one. Other than that, I think we're done here. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also check out Even Money, Fantasy Feast, and College Draft, all on the DraftKings Network on Samsung TV+, Plus, YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform. Shout out to MyFrontPageStory.com. There is no better gift. You can get a loved one for the holidays. There just isn't. MyFrontPageStory.com. Give your loved one the front page treatment they deserve. You got BackOfficeScheduler.com, Go-Bangles.com, SteakhouseSports.com, HumanHeadNYC.com, Sportaculture, and Pizza Boy 